0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The economy is on the front of everyone's mind. Uh, inflation is still very high. We're not seeing much moderation in consumer spending, although it did soften. We are still seeing consumer spending pretty rapidly. There's a lot of debt. That's concerning to people in our economy as well. And how are we going to lower inflation? That's always been a big part of this. So what this brought to mind? And I want to get to the tax thing in a moment. We talked about this earlier about the taxes. Where does Arizona stack up compared to the rest of the country in what individuals pay in taxes? And we're doing really well. I'll, I'll tell you, we're we're in the bottom half of that list, which is good. New York is number one, as you might expect. Hawaii is on top of the list. But we'll get to where Arizona is in a moment. I want to talk first about um, the, these this other part of the economy. One of the things that happens – is we start to highlight people at lower income levels, which we should because you have hardworking people that are striving to get ahead. Then they find themselves just keeping their heads above water. And then we find people slipping through the cracks or, or drowning actually in financial debt. When you see an economy turn like this, where gas prices go through the roof so rapidly, um, it, 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 it cripples families. The other thing that we see happening is Social Security and we start having the conversation about Social Security and what needs to be done. There are a couple of things that are happening here. You know, the American... Um Budget. It would be largely close to being balanced if it weren't for the outrageous expense in Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Um, That's not just that's not a Republican point of view. That's a factual point of view when you look at the budgets of America. Um, But we have made promises. The American taxpayers have made promises to an older generation for a long time that says, hey, listen, we are going to make sure that in your in your later years, your retirement years, that there will no longer let people fall through the cracks with the safe. Net of Social Security. But people are living longer, which means they're drawing on the system more. We have less people being born, so we have less people going into the system. All of this causes part of the issue. And we have to realize that. But as soon as anyone, especially on my side of the political aisle, starts talking about what we do at Social Security, it, it, they're being told, "Keep your hands off Social Security." This is, and and then you got so many people afraid to even discuss it. I so I pulled this story from the Wall Street Journal. Now this is an opinion. This is an opinion piece that's being written, but it talks about the how how what we are trying to do for people. And I want you to hear the solution that this writer talks about. Um, if we must force workers to save for retirement, Retirement, the least we can do is have them invest in American companies. That sounds to me like a bipartisan idea that you're going to invest in American companies. We're going to we are going to save the American economy. If we are going to withhold money out of your paycheck like they do for Social Security, for your retirement, it should be invested in American companies. Everyone should be given an individual account at birth. And this is an interesting thing that's going to divide a lot of people, perhaps funded with a small seed investment from the government. Nah, I I would scratch that out. But there's some people that would say a small investment. Current wage taxes would fund these individual accounts instead, ensuring everyone is saving for retirement to insinuate – I'm sorry, to insulate from risk, which can come from me, uh, the meme stocks and agenda-driven investment, and to keep fees low, investments would be limited to small set of a broad market indexes. In other words, they would be safe investments that started from people at a very young age when you enter the workforce, when they begin to withhold wage taxes from you. It would be set aside and invested for growth. Here's where the pushback for all of that's going to come. The Ponzi scheme of what we do with Social Security now where everything is thrown into the general fund, we're going to have to figure out how to eat that up. Because instead of it going into the general fund to pay the people that are on Social Security now, they're saying it's going to be invested so that when you're older, when you get to retirement age, it has grown so that you've got just like a 401K or a, a Roth IRA or anything else where people are saving for retirement, that money is going to be there. There. that doesn't sound like a bad idea to me to give a young person the option of do you want to go on the social security system as it is or do you want to go into one of these invest? either way we're keeping your money either way there is a minimum investment you may have a 401k through your uh, office through where you work you might have uh, open up other investment accounts but this is still going to be withheld from your paycheck which route do you want to go I don't know why that isn't a viable discussion in our society. And it seems like the first time someone brings it up it's only going to make the Wall Street richer and it's a, no it isn't. No it isn't. And the younger you start this and I, I you know listen I'm Dave Ramsey's the expert on this but if you look at what people do when they invest their money um when the, the younger you start the quicker you become financially stable. The longer you wait, the less chance you have to be financially secure. That's just the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. Let's get to this tax burden thing very quickly. It's an interesting study. It breaks things down by overall tax burden. When it comes to the overall tax burden to the taxpayer, we do really well in Arizona. We're number 29 out of 50, so we're in the lower half. Uh, Not as low as many of us would like to be, but the areas where we are taxed the most. Interesting. Overall, we have an 8.39%. That's what it averages out to be. We are number 35 on the list in property tax burden because we pay 2.5% on average in Arizona for property taxes. And individually... Individual income tax burden, we're fortieth on the list. That's um that's great at one point six percent. But we have a higher. We're number eight on the list at four point two nine percent when it comes to total sales and excise tax burden. So we get a lot of our, our uh, taxes from that from there. Um, Doing very well on this list at number 45 is Florida. And it's interesting that uh, Florida has about a 3.87% burden for sales and excise taxes. What's interesting is ours is right there with them. And Florida, I say ours is a little bit higher actually. Um. The reason why I bring this up is because the government taking money in taxes is the way that the government runs. We see the government taking more and more money from the American people every quarter, every year, and yet they still run it more and more deficits, no matter who the president is. I mean both parties are doing this. The Biden administration's 2023 budget bill made headlines by proposing a so-called billionaire tax, imposing a 25 percent minimum rate on the unrealized capital gains of the wealthiest Americans. The measure rests on an economic falsehood. The new proposal rests on the word, the work of the far left academics. And what it talks about is Americans pay a lower tax rate on average than the poor, according to this. In addition to that premise on bad economic reasoning, the president and his administration what they want to do is they want people to pay taxes on unrealized capital gains they're just finding another avenue to take more money and then they say we're just taking it from the rich we're just taking it from the rich and i know that there are a lot of people in our society that are okay with that i want you to think about it i want you to put yourself in someone else's shoes because i don't think you'd be very happy about it if you were rich what we're going to do in a moment is get you caught up on the biggest news stories. We do it every day at 11:20. It's all the headlines of the day that you've missed while you were at work. So if you're headed to lunch, stick around. It's called Did You Hear This. We're going to get to it in just a moment. <laughs> Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Been a very, very busy day. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
1: Last night, we learned of a collision between a United States drone and a Russian fighter jet over the Black Sea. But this situation might be more than it seems.
2: Two Russian fighter jets making 19 passes at high speed by the U.S. drone over a 30-minute period, spraying the drone with fuel multiple times. On the last pass, one of the fighter jets flying vertically towards the drone. How concerned do we need to be about this?
0: Yeah, you know, there's an update happening on this with the Pentagon. I I don't know how 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 uh, concerned we should be yet and that i think most americans are waiting to hear what's happening if the Russians are emboldened enough to start at having acts of aggression at American assets, knowing that NATO could jump in, are they looking for a fight? Have they discussed this with the Chinese behind the scenes? That would be another question, because you know that the Chinese are the big brother in all of this. And if Russia is going to antagonize the U.S., they have to know that if the if the U.S. punches back, is are the Chinese going to stand up? Is this going to be a step that brings us closer to another world war? And but the other. Other side of this is: What if we don't respond? What if there is no response in this, and we tell the world you can knock our planes or our drones out of the sky with no repercussions and no retribution? I don't know that that's the right message to send either. But I'm anxious to see how this press conference goes.
1: Maricopa County Attorney Rachel Mitchell joined the show today and explained some of the criteria for giving someone the death penalty.
2: We review every case where first-degree murder is charged that was committed by an adult, and that is thoroughly vetted out. We reach out to the defense. We ask them for any information that would weigh against the death penalty being sought.
1: Do we need to reevaluate how we handle
0: the death penalty? Yeah, for me, it's just the length of time. And not because I'm, I'm in a hurry to put somebody to death, but I think that the families deserve justice a lot faster than they're getting it, which is one of the things that Miss Mitchell said on the show, and I agree with her about, that I think if there's one thing that's wrong with this system that stands out to me, it's the length of time it takes to carry out justice. So I do think it needs to be addressed. And we, and those aggravating factors need to be factored in. nobodys I don't think that many people have a bloodlust. But we do deserve justice much quicker than we're getting it you are listening to Did You Hear This. We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines.
1: February retail sales data is out and is showing a slight decline. Retail sales were down 0.4 percent but that's after consumers went on a buying spree in the month of January. Americans pulled back on spending at department stores also restaurants and bars. We'll have to see if that spending rebounds this month. Could the NCAA tournament drive spending back up in March?
0: Yeah it can in some places. I think it will in the sports bar areas and it's very funny because going out you wouldn't know Notice it Here in the Valley, because here we're kind of isolated or insulated right now with spring training. So we've got people that are in town specifically for this that are out to restaurants and doing those things. We know in Arizona, if we're going to feel the fa- the effects of something like this, it's going to happen after spring training. We get to those hot summer months when the snowbirds go back home and not many people are coming to vacation when it's over 100 degrees. Then let's find out if the locals are still spending money. That's what I'd be most concerned about. The dance kicks off for Arizona State University tonight
1: as they face off against Nevada in the first four NCAA tournament matchup. ASU's head coach Bobby Hurley is excited to get started.
2: There's a lot of ups and downs along the way and uh, just really excited for the kids. They wanted it badly. I think we put together the type of season that was more than deserving for this opportunity.
0: Will you be watching the game tonight? Yeah, I will be. I am not a... I, I am a very casual basketball fan in general. I'm a very casual college basketball fan, but I love this tournament just like everybody else does that one and done thing uh, Jeff Munn and I talked about this earlier the idea that anybody's season could be over and waiting till the last second and who's going to be the hero and who's going to be that Cinderella team I love college sports and this tournament is as good as it gets and I love it do you do a bracket Julia? always do you?
1: oh yeah I love it have you already filled your bracket out? no not yet I usually wait until after the first four are done. Usually brackets will let you fill it out after that.
0: All right. So you're going to wait till the play-in games are done? Yes. Okay. All right. Do you have in your mind yet, do you have who your final four is going to be, or are you still working on that?
1: I'm still working on it. All right. Okay. I, I do coin flip. Brackets too. That's, okay, there is one I do try to put an effort.
0: But what's interesting about it for me is I'm a Miami Hurricane, um, and I, I, again, I'm such a casual fan I can't name the player all the players on the team. But what I like about this tournament is watching these guys play. But if I fill out a bracket, I'm gonna have I'm gonna feel bad when I gotta say I don't think Miami's gonna win. So I'd send them all the way to the final four. You know what I mean? And no, I'm not. I'm gonna burn my bracket.
1: Well, I remember when I was at school, um, and James Harden he filled out a bracket when Arizona State made it, and he just wrote. Arizona State in for every single
0: thing. right. <laughs> so some, yeah, if, if, if there is something riding on it, you got to bet with your head. Mm-hmm. But the fun thing about this is looking at how many millions of brackets get filled out, and then after the first day, even They're the first game, yeah. Yeah, how many brackets are just burned to the mm-hmm. ground. So I'm anxious to see. It'll be a fun tournament to watch, and hopefully, we're coming back tomorrow and talking about a big Sun Devil victory for you and your uh, your fellow Sun. Now, the big smile on your face—that's incredible. School pride and is real. I guess real. so, man. You should see her. She's beaming like she, she's she got a brother on the team. <laughs> Good for you. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's coming up. In a moment, I want to reset something. We're I mean, talking about Rachel Mitchell, the county attorney, and um – The death penalty and how it's implemented here. But what I want to talk about when we get back isn't the part about whether or not they should continue. But the other things that Rachel Mitchell said about what goes into consideration of whether or not they're going to seek the death penalty in a case. And see if you agree. We'll talk about it next. Opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 923 FM. And the KTAR News app. All right. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. A little bread fan if you're a Metallica fan. Um. I want to get into a little bit deeper. Uh, I had a great conversation with the county attorney, Rachel Mitchell, today. And uh, the the rest of the conversation was about the opposition to the governor pausing executions. She doesn't believe that the governor has the authority to arbitrarily stop executions for any reason, that there was an execution warrant that was uh, requested and it was issued. And so it must be carried out. And that's her position. The Arizona State Supreme Court is going to take this case up and it should be uh, uh, should be settled pretty quickly. But we had a conversation about um, filing for the death penalty and uh, so I asked her about this. I asked her about the criteria, a a death penalty case she talks about uh, aggravating circumstances this is interesting.
2: We review every case where first degree murder is charged that was committed by an adult. Obviously we don't have the death penalty for people who committed a crime as a juvenile and that is thoroughly vetted out. We reach out to the defense. We ask them for any information that would weigh a against uh, the death penalty being fought and um, I get a recommendation from senior attorneys in my office ultimately the decision is
0: mine there is uh, we call it the justice system for a reason and families victims deserve justice there is uh, you know if you've ever been the victim of a crime and I hope you haven't but if you ever have been or you ever are um, and I was in Phoenix you are you are given an opportunity to talk with victim services uh, for many reasons and i'm not making light of this at all there are people that are traumatized by crimes that are committed against them and it, it that that should never ever 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 be overlooked um I understand a an attorney's job. That an attorney's job is to fight for their client. If you're a defense attorney, you want to try to get a not guilty verdict if you can legally do it. And if you can't get a not guilty verdict, you want to you know make sure that the sentence is in your mind fair or less stringent than it no, no more no more than it needs to be. Um, I understand the job, but. What gets lost in the process far too often is the victims, because the victims many times live long after the punishment's been taken care of. They live with the results, especially if it's a violent crime. It is traumatizing. A violent crime is traumatizing. A burglary in your home, especially if you're home when it happens. But even if you're not, if you return home and your home's been broken into, there it's a feeling of violation, You know, I I can't describe it for people that have been through it. If you've had a violent crime, a, a carjacking or someone has robbed you at gunpoint or at knife point. There is an anger there is, a, there is a, a desire for justice, and so we rely on a system to get us that justice because we as a society don 't allow street justice we don 't and, and listen, there are times when we privately applaud and say good that 's what you should do. How many times we watch those court shows on a and e and where you know, they attack a defendant after they 've been convicted of a crime because they 've murdered somebody? So there are times when we say, I don't blame them. I might do the same thing. But as a society, we are expecting the justice system to get that for us. Justice. So I asked her, she talked about aggravating circumstances. What is an aggravating factor? What are some of those things? There has to be
2: the presence of an, uh, a factor, an aggravating factor. Those are specifically listed out in the law. And then my, I am looking for the worst of the worst. So the vast majority of cases, we do not seek the death penalty. Um, but there are some cases that definitely call for it. In this situation, we're talking about somebody that took someone out to the desert and executed him, and then uh, shot a police officer two times uh, in an effort to get away from law enforcement.
0: And so, in this in this particular case, um, she's talking about this guy, uh, Gunches, and he, the guy asked to be executed. He's asked for an expedited death penalty. Um, but aside from that, as a society, why are we waiting twenty years? But what at, at what are we focused? Our justice system is supposed to be focused on that justice. Um, I, I am. I hate. I hate the isms, I hate sexism, I hate racism, I hate all of that stuff, I really do. I genuinely in my heart hate people that make those kind of judgments. And when it comes to cases like this, when you hear about a disparity in race, and you hear about there are people that are locked up for crimes, and that's why we're gonna reduce penalties, I can promise you this, when you're the victim of a crime, the color of that person's skin doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter, ever. But it certainly doesn't matter in that moment. And... um I'm always repeating this story, and I won't tell the whole story, but when I stopped, uh, my daughter was with me, which in in retrospect was really a stupid thing for me to do, but I stopped two guys from shoplifting at a store that I frequented every day, so I want you to understand the mindset of being victimized. You know, Here I am at this convenience store where I know everybody that works there, and everybody that works there knows me. I'm in this store two or three times a day, at least six days a week, some weeks, seven days a week, whether it's coffee in the morning, whatever it is, and you get to have a rapport with people. You get to know them by name. And I'm standing in line at a store and these two young people I say kids, but two young people walk in and just as casually as I'm talking right now, just walk back to the liquor where they could. They loaded up and grabbed as much liquor as they possibly could and just were gonna calmly walk out of the store. And I stopped him and said, Put it back. In the same voice, I'm talking to you now. I said, Put it back. And it went from zero to 100 in an instant. And these two guys wanted to kill me. The one guy particularly wanted to kill me. Now, he was incapable. <laughs> I wasn't worried about it, but he was trying. One of them was white, and the other was black. I didn't care. It didn't matter to me what the color of their skin was. All that mattered to me was keeping them away from me long enough until the police got there, which happened. I never threw a punch. I never did any of those things. This guy attacked me. I took him to the ground. Now I'm again. I'm not aiii I, I'm not a jujitsu champion, but I was a wrestler. So I, I've got. If, if I get my hands on you, I got a better chance. Uh, I was much bigger than this guy. Took him to the ground. He attacked me again. I landed on top of him with a little bit more force and knocked the wind out of him. But I never threw a punch. I didn't break a bone. I didn't do any of the things I was capable of. I left him alone. I let the police handle it. When I was told that that case was not going to be prosecuted, I felt violated. I thought, you know, I did everything the right way. I stopped a crime. I helped my neighborhood. I didn't beat this guy up, although I was capable. I let you handle it. The police had to come. The police arrested this guy. They wasted their time on the investigation. And all of a sudden now it's not going to be prosecuted. Now, this was, man, well over 10 years ago. And. What ended up happening was the city of Phoenix did prosecute the case. And the guy was pled guilty to charges of shoplifting and aggravated assault. But as a victim, if somebody tells you we're not going to prosecute, there is a feeling of violation that no one should have to feel. So I was in a fight in a parking lot at a Circle K. And now imagine the families of victims who have been murdered and murdered so heinously they fit this criteria of the death penalty. And then to wait over 20 years, it, it, it's, it's un-American. I don't know how else to put it. Took down an American drone and now the international fallout as the Pentagon is doing a briefing about this. We're going to talk a little bit about what we know and what could happen next. It's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. One of the stories that I'm going to be keeping an eye on has to do with Russia, and it isn't about Ukraine. It's about the fact that Russian fighter jets downed an American drone, uh, multiple attempts dropping fuel on it. They was a, This was an effort to down an American drone in what everybody is saying is international airspace. The Pentagon did a briefing about this today. This is causing an international incident because obviously we're a member of NATO, and NATO nations are, are bound – to defend each other, and uh, jets from Germany and jets, uh, German jets and and UK jets were scrambled in this effort. Russia, of course, not shockingly, Russia is claiming that this was um, American aggression, and that's what they're telling their people. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, and I want to make sure I'm clear. Um, I, I am one of the people, I wait to have an opinion on something until I have all the facts in my mind. And I've got mixed feelings about Ukraine and U.S. involvement. I will tell you this, um, I, I am not a historian, but I I am a student of history. Um and when I went to uh, when I went to the beaches in Normandy, it changed my life. And I, I know that sounds dramatic, but it changed me um, when you get to when you have a feeling, when you stand on Omaha Beach or you stand on Utah Beach, when you stand on that beach with your back to the water. And you look how far those soldiers had to go from those Higgins boats to shore to get to cover toward the gunfire and the fortified positions. It changes you. When you walk into – when you are when you go to Normandy and you go to the American cemetery there and you tour the museum, you walk out these big double doors. And before you go out the double doors, there's a sign there and a quote from an American general that says, we only ask for enough land. To bury our gallant dead. And then you walk out. And as far as you can see are are white crosses and stars of David. For as far as you can see. And it's the one place in France where the American flag flies higher than the French flag. It's American soil. And... It is life-changing to see that kind of sacrifice at a time and the question of would – if we had gotten involved earlier in that conflict, would it have saved lives? And that's been what with, with, with experts in combat have been wrestling with at war colleges ever since. So there's a lot that goes into this, and it's a lot more than just a drone being downed. We know, or at least I know, Vladimir Putin was a product of the Cold War, and he was a proud member of the KGB during the 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 epitome and the highest point of the uh, Soviet Union and he also was there when he watched the Soviet Union crumble and the USSR crumbled there's nothing he would like more than to get back to that era, which is part of the reason why he's gone into Ukraine. He wants to you know, reestablish his economy. But would he stop in Ukraine? Would he go on to Poland? All of these are questions people have to wrestle with. The other side of this is now they have been aggressive toward an American asset. It wasn't a manned aircraft. It was an unmanned drone. But it was an American aircraft. What response will the Americans have? Because I don't believe, I, I, unless of course Putin has gone completely off the rails, will they? Would they act unilaterally, not caring what China thought or other of of their allies, their their people? Because there is no way in the world that Russia could face the U.S. even at full strength and have a chance against the U.S. military. They just couldn't, even though they're a nuclear power, unless he was going to get the mutually assured destruction that Reagan talked about. It just wouldn't work out for them. So does he have the backing of the Chinese? What's going on diplomatically? But this is a big deal. You you went after an international airspace. You went after an American asset and you took it down. This was not a mistake. This was intentionally done. You can tell the Russian people all you want, that it was the US acting aggressively and that you took them down like you'll take down any aircraft. You can propagandize this all you want. The rest of the world is bound to not sit by and watch you act aggressively toward NATO nations. So what happens next? How involved do the Chinese get? You got the two world's two biggest economies in China and the US. The last thing either one of them wants is war because wars cost a lot of money. And it's sad to say it does cost people. It costs a lot of money. And so uh, let's see how this all plays out. I think this is going to be one of the stories that unfolds over the next few days of how the U.S. responds to this. I'm anxious to see what our leaders do. How do our military leaders respond to this in order to stop it from escalating? but sending a message. And I think we need to. All right. We're just about out of time. If you're a social media user, at Broomhead KTAR is where you find me on Twitter. I would love to hear from you. You can find me there anytime. At uh, Broomhead Show updates you on what happens on the show, the guesting and otherwise. Please follow both accounts. Correspond with me, at Broomhead KTAR. And uh, Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram is how you find me between shows. I hope you'll keep in touch. I'll be back tomorrow morning just after 8. I hope you can join me for part of your day tomorrow like you did today. And until we get back tomorrow morning, just after eight, have a great day. God bless.